from reviews to rankings, the big picture is all things movies. From in-depth analysis of the latest flick to sit-down interviews with some of the biggest movie stars and filmmakers on the planet, Sean Fennessy and Amanda Dobbins have got you covered. Check out The Big Picture on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. I need support staff to clear the room. Stand up and walk now. Hello and welcome to The Watch. My name is Chris Ryan and I am an editor at TheRinger.com and joining me on the other line, the panic meister cooking up his sweaty spaghetti. It's Andy Greenwald. I got to ask you before we start, do you, do you need me to hold the scepter? <laughs> oh my do you, God. Do you need me to? Oh, Andy, what's going on? We're here. It's Sunday night. We're here to talk to you about the uh, the most recent episode of Succession. We finally got our Super Bowl, the shareholders meeting. Uh Greenwald, let's we can we can jump in here. I thought that this was, um, you know, a, subtly a slapstick episode of of Succession. A lot of running from one room to another, a lot of jumping on the phone, a lot of kind of uh, slipping on the old maybe metaphorical banana peels, going a little piss mad. And it kind of reminded me of the early, early like immediately post stroke Logan episodes of succession. It was right. I, I actually thought that the, um, some of the one liners were like self-consciously strained because of the amount of strain that the characters were under. Cause obviously this was a very like mm-hmm. definitive day for these characters. What'd you, what'd you think of the episode? I believe it was called, uh, the retired farmers of Idaho or something. I, I love, First of all, I think you've made a great observation because I think that's a sign of familiarity with the show and writer's familiarity with the characters that there is A plus Roman Roy uh, one-liners when he is feeling good, when he's feeling confident, when Jerry's given him a loving motherly stare. And then there is B minus C plus I'm actually having a nervous breakdown even though it's not cool to have a nervous breakdown Roman Roy uh, uh, scatological insults. And... Those land in a different way. And we got more of that in this episode. I was thrilled. It's interesting you say it reminded you of early succession. I think that in some ways I agree with you. In other ways, I think it could only be later succession because when you are orchestrating and conducting a symphony orchestra like this at such a high pitch, the the mastery of each instrument really matters. So, you know, just the little things that help sustain the episode even, you know, and, and carry you through its often frantic tone are the little things like, oh, 
what's Carl going to actually do here? Well, of mm-hmm. course, he's going to take the cowardly way out and put it on Frank. Like those little beats of familiarity and knowledge are what carries us through. What it reminded me of, and this is no less of a compliment, I think, it reminded me of the last act of Michael Clayton. Like, I, I just feel like <laughs> Tilda Swinton washing the pits in the hotel bathroom core yeah. was that 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 uh, rich, heady aroma was suffused through this episode. There is something so, so just titanically shitty in the best possible way for the fates of nations to be decided by dopes and pleated suits with lanyards in midtown hotels like just the absolute soul-killing anodyne mise-en-scene of the episode was tremendous and it was you know again like this was probably because of all the isolated spaces you know shouts to the covid coordinator but also it made sense you know what i mean like this was the perfect place for such an insane episode to be to be for it to take place in so you know, the it's a criticism that's levied at succession. It's a question that's levied at succession, which is, are these good people? Which we know they're not. But this episode actually asked a, a somewhat newer question, which is, are these people bad at their jobs? You know, mm-hmm. which I think it was kind of fascinating to watch. Even um, someone like, say, the Stewie character who always has the right thing to say, is always impeccably dressed, is always sniffing at the rosemary after the perfect bite of cheese, has the, you know, always the the best burns of Kendall. And when you finally get behind uh, the velvet rope into the VIP VIP section, you've got a vegetable in, in in a wheelchair in Sandy. His daughter, who is either listening to him or pretending to listen to him. Also, st- also named Sandy. Yeah, just right. Bravo. And Stewie, who is like, I don't really have any control here. You know, like, I don't want us to go to a vote. But, you you know, as Kendall points out, the that that side of things is their, their finances are, are unstable. And if it's an increasingly expensive negotiation and he doesn't really have anything to contribute when it really gets down to like what Sandy wants versus what Logan wants. It's only those two people that matter. So everyone else is spinning like a top trying to make just a little bit more sunlight hit them on their way down. It's such a, the show is many things, but it is consistently such a brilliant and savage indictment of the meritocracy myth in America or certainly in global capitalism. And I think that what we saw really reflected in this episode is, look, Logan is exceptionally good at being what he is and has been and has an impeccable track record of fighting and stabbing and backstabbing and clawing his way to the absolute top of the global media food chain. He is a mean, savage bastard, right? And that would be a point of pride for him. And he clawed himself out of Dundee, Scotland, and he did all of this. Mm-hmm. All of those billions of dollars he he built, he made that. There is no one else in his orbit that has made anything. Tom hasn't even made toilet wine. Right. And I'm not going to that place of like, you know, well, unless you make I'm, I'm not unless you make something with your own hands in your woodshop, you are not a competent person. But th- that you and I work of, in a in a, a woodshop in a, in a way of, of ideas. <laughs> the forge is just the brain pan for tradesmen. Um, totally. Takesmen. The scramble to find purchase when their only ground is taken away from them was Mm -hmm. what was so incredible. The way everyone scattered like bugs. Basically, 
the sudden realization that maybe Logan doesn't know what he's saying, that maybe he is non And how long has he been piss mad for? And, yeah. <laughs> and how long has it been? Because yeah. they are willing to do anything and take any risk as long as he's there. And that that moment afterwards when they're just absolutely white face petrified at what they're going to do without him, you know, and and it's not just in that A plot, you know, I think that that the very smartly observed and very cleverly inserted B or at this point C plot of Greg and and grandpa, mm-hmm. the best grampers, the best grampers in the world, not a hugger. No, not a hugger is our Uncle Ewan. When he's basically like, I don't like what this has done to you, what's metastasized inside of you, I'm giving my money to Greenpeace. And that's maybe a good choice. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like that's maybe, that's maybe fine. That I think that's probably okay. They don't know what to do with everything they've inherited and other than protect it and for what end. I can run through the plot recap of this episode in case people just want to hear hear it laid out for them. It's the big day, uh, the Waystar Royco shareholders meeting, and the final, maybe final showdown between the various factions of the Roy family and the insurgent investor group led by Sandy and Stewie. The two sides are negotiating a settlement, but can't agree on certain concessions, including board seats, private jet usage, uh, familial succession plans. Sandy is in a near vegetative state, so his daughter is conducting the negotiations for him along with Stewie. And there's a nice symmetry between two ailing fathers and two upstart daughters here as the day winds on. There are casualties, including Kendall's rabbit, Logan's urethra, (laughs) Greg's inheritance, and Shiv's career prospects. That doesn't even get into the nitty gritty of each scene, but that is essentially what happened in this episode. I do want to pause just for a moment to say that one of the things that I'm realizing is that by recording early, because you mm-hmm. and I are talking about this episode that we've seen early, we're recording Friday. You will be listening to this Sunday night or Monday or even Tuesday. We are uh, ahead of the discourse, yes, but we are mm-hmm. also ahead of the fact checking. And so, for example, last week you and I had a, a had a, a good bit of fun playing. Where in the world is Josh Adrian Aronson. Brody's yeah. Um, yeah sweater vest? And uh, thank you to literally everyone on the internet for sending us the information. It was a, uh, started as a trickle and ended up as a raging stream. Shouts to Logan's urethra. People just want to be helpful. That's the thing about the internet. I appreciate that. But, But what I wanted to say was, for example, I am genuinely curious about Larry Pine's health and well-being and condition in playing this part. Beloved theater actor, love him, love him on the show. I imagine that there will be articles out Sunday night being like, Larry Pine was ailing or they chose to put him in this direction or something. We don't know the answer to that. So I'm just throwing that out there. No need to tweet at us the answer. We will find it, but (laughs) I am curious. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, We can talk about the Sandy and Stewie of it all, but I thought maybe we could start with a conversation about Shiv because Mm -hmm. I think this has been like a bad two weeks for her. It's been a tough two weeks for, for her as like, just as she was installed at the beginning of the season, into this role as uh, as Logan's eyes and ears and the real sort of head of the company outside of Jerry. You know, in the last episode, she gets carved out uh, of a couple of meetings, of a couple of calls. She seems to overreach a bit and get pushed back by Logan. And then in this episode, she does a lot of, of maneuvering and a lot of work. And then uh, Logan essentially humiliates her in front of everybody 
and sort of bats away the idea that she would get a board seat here. What did you think of this week in terms of, of, of how it worked out for Shiv? It's been a brutal run. And I think it's been a fascinating choice by the show. I think we talked about this in the season premiere that anyone tuning into the pilot a couple of years ago might have assumed that the show would have been lazier than it is and how, oh, well, the the young woman is actually the smartest and, and the most capable and is being overlooked by the patriarchy and her father, et cetera, et mm-hmm. cetera. That's not the show. The show is smarter than that and more interesting than that and more complicated than that. And Shiv is no less an empty suit than the rest of them. You know, she has fully decoupled from whatever tangential connection she had to the real world and thrown herself completely into the beast for no real end, I mm-hmm. think, other than this abstract concept of power or proving herself to her father. And it's been interesting watching purpose slip through her fingers because I think when we met her in season one, she had at least with the appearance of some insight, some political point of view or some savvy, you know, she had existed outside of the company. So she, I mean, that's what the, uh, e, what was it? Evis, Eves, the, um, yeah, Eric Bogosian's Evis, character, the, 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 the Bernie the, Sanders standard. Yeah. The Bernie Sanders standard looked to her for, right. I mean, again, you could also now watch those episodes in retrospect and be like another father figure was using her as a, you know, he thought that was delicious that he had a Roy, mm-hmm. you know, the black sheep Roy family advising him, et cetera, et cetera. But clearly she had something when you align yourself to Logan as the North Star, they're actually, you just you just tumble into space at that point. Everything you're holding is ephemeral and everything is about performance and positioning, et cetera, et cetera. And the emptiness of her current life was really striking, not only from her sort of Pyrrhic victories that happened throughout the episode, but also the other things that happened around them. For example, that kind of devastating cut back to the conference room where you see the three women in the cast in a like pre-filmed EPK talking about how waste our values women. <laughs> yes. Down to the moment when we find out that Tom is tracking her menstrual cycle mm-hmm. in order to Im- implant her with a young Whamsgam heir, you know? And and once again, you know, from those she is supposed to love or supposed to love her, she's a object. She's a placeholder. The uh, previous episode, uh, Kendall called her a dipshit. In this episode, Connor referred to her as a fake, I believe. She is, yeah, repeatedly over the course of this season, sought out some kind of partnership, whether it was with Tom, when she was like, I love you. And Tom's like, that's nice. And when she goes to uh, Lisa Arthur, played by Sonali Ethan, who we haven't really seen in a couple of episodes, when she goes to her and is just like, I could use you as my counsel, as like an independent sort of voice. And she's like, I'm with Kendall. She uh, obviously tries to kind of attach herself to her dad and get this, this inside track to the top of the company. And the thing that Logan seems to reject most strongly over and over again is anybody wanting anything from him. So... Mm-hmm. It's really like when Roman offers up Jerry, when Shiv is like, this is my board seat, when Kendall is trying to get what he wants, it, that, that's how you, you, nev- you never get anywhere with Logan that way as a character. It, it's worth asking or reframing the question you, you brought up at the beginning, which is the kind of tired question that, that is always you know, hanging around the show uh, like a dead cat under Logan's chair, which is, are these good people? I think a more interesting question for where we are in the third season is, are they good at anything? Yeah. 
Like, what are they actually good at? Yeah. The people who have survived within the power circle of the company are super good at eating shit. That's what they're good at and pivoting and, and placating. We get glimpses of Roman being kind of good at some things of being I think he's clever efficient. or charming or capable or efficient or at least being able to use his rapier wit to cut through some of the bullshit. Kendall seems to have the right brain for business. He just doesn't have, like he understands what's going on, you yeah. know, to a degree the rest of them don't and, and, and seems animated by it, but he doesn't have the killer instinct as we, you know, as, as Logan has often told him. What does Siobhan have? And I think there, what, what, what could be interesting about the show is, is that character heading for a kind of existential crisis, the likes of which we haven't seen on the show and the likes of which would definitely not be welcomed by the Roy family? Because, well, Connor is also, you know, completely uh, out of it. He's delusional. They I mean, just with, kind of bring him off the bench for like five minutes a game. And then he's just like, <laughs> he just says something really funny and asks for a new job. And then is... Yeah. Yeah, I, I enjoy that aspect of Alan Ruck's character. It is interesting, though, to think about Shiv and Rome and, and Shiv and Kendall are the two characters that I think are the most, um, in some ways, ashamed to be Roy's. You know, like they mm-hmm. want to be known for something either individual or something perhaps more ethical or moral than what the Roy family is typically known for. It's important to Shiv that. Her hands are clean when it comes to a lot of the DOJ investigation stuff. Kendall obviously wants to be this tech bro. Roman has no airs about him about that. You know what I mean? Like Roman will blow up a satellite and be like, we'll fix this. Like Roman doesn't have any shame. And that's why everybody in the room is like, well, Roman should get on the call with the president. He's Logan Jr. That's interesting. And I think you're right. Something else that, that that was really highlighted for me this episode, this has been there the whole time, but I was just thinking about it, was the generational divide and how devastating it is. You mm-hmm. know, a lot of people spent their uh, We Don't Have Succession this year, Shelter in Place year, rewatching The Sopranos. And so many of those people will remember kind of Tony's existential observation, right? That he feels like he got in at the end of something. Yeah. That it was, it was something that was good uh, when his father was doing it. And now it's really just, picking up the scraps and, you know, shutting up the theater and locking it behind him. Like it's, it's over and he can't shake that feeling. And that was a pretty powerful statement about the state of our country 20 years ago, before I think it became more actualized and real to everyone in their life, that maybe something is a little awry here and we can't quite put our finger on where and when it happened. All of that is a kind of a long preamble to say how old the older generation on this show is. Mm -hmm. Um, Ken's don't get me started 40. on yeah. <laughs> how old our uh, you know leadership in this country is, uh, or the fact that casting older people in the older generation is partly uh, intentional because Kendall is yeah because Jeremy Strong is over forty and Kieran Culkin's actually about to turn forty even though they play younger et cetera et cetera. But like I sent this to you earlier in the week, David Rashi, First of all, been mispronouncing his name my entire life. So, me too. Don't worry about it. Shouts to Google. Shouts David to Rashi. Shouts to Sledgehammer. Yeah. God, that show is important to me. Did you love that show? I don't really remember anything about it other than the commercials. I, I think that uh, people listening who don't remember the kind of, it was a, it was this really satirical, like Naked Gun style parody of a macho cop movies starring David Rashi uh, in the 80s. I loved it. Anyway, um, he's 77 years old. No way. Yes. He looks what? incredible. <laughs> yes. Isn't that wild? Oh my God. That's, I know. That is crazy. 
uh, Brian How Cox, old's is, Cox. He's seventy two or something. Okay. I think he's he, he he's only you know he's 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 not that much senior to. But Alan he's Rock, got the urethra crazy. of a fifty nine year old. <laughs> and and dropping or rising, I'm unclear. Um, you know, and and uh, Peter Friedman, I think his name is, who plays Frank. I mean, these guys they're in their seventies, right? Mm-hmm. And they are. It's this, it's this fascinating thing where, like in this country, when you have power, you're not going to relinquish it. That's just central, and it's also one of the reasons why we're a decaying empire. But also, they're still playing yesterday's game because it works for them. This idea that Siobhan is going to be like, yes, I'm the new millennial face of the fucking brontosaurus. What? You know, that that's why low-key one of the funniest things about the show always is when they talk about their plans of what they're going to do. They just, they rat-tat-tat it always, right? We're sure. going to buy this. They make up some new word for Google. We're going to do this. We're going to pivot to digital. We're going to blah, blah, blah. It's all nonsense. It's all shareholder placating nonsense because what you want to do is you just want to keep mining coal, basically, from the back of your dinosaur like Fred Flintstone. Like, right. that's what all this is for. You know, it's really interesting that you bring up the Sopranos thing because I hadn't really thought about that. And, you know, there's a lot of conversations this season in the show where, you know, Kendall will say to Josh, like, the comet is coming or the great whites are moving off of stage. Mm. That whole pitch that he gives the kids in his daughter's bedroom where he's just like, we denationalize, like, we decouple from America. We decouple, like, it's just like, in the Sopranos, and I, I think up until in a lot of ways... I, I would say some, at least in my experience, like up until the housing crisis in, in 08, where I think that was when I first became familiarized with the idea of that you could bet on something to lose, you know, like right. or that there were people who might profit from something collapsing, you know, and that those, that, that these moments of, of crisis were actually beneficial to the, people. The capitalism may have incentivized uh, yeah. a lack of collective spirit. Right. And so there's no uh, melancholy <laughs> to this it's like there's melancholy in the sopranos he's he's remembering like a country and a community and a way of life even if it's you know debatable to what extent that was what he thinks it was there's a sense of loss there succession is very much the the antidote to that because they're saying you know we we actually see opportunity where everything collapses. We only see opportunity when there's crisis, when there's polarization, when there's anger, when there's perhaps we've, we've basically talked our way out of this president. We'll get a new one, like all that stuff. And that's what Kendall kind of represents too. So Shiv and Kendall, they're not like white knights. They're, they're janitors kind of. Yeah. And, and ultimately it's not about the money. It's about, as we, as they said in this episode, in relation to the president, it's about the access. It's about being inside the room. Like Greg can be, Greg is a punchline when he's still suckling at the same money teat. As soon as that is cut off, he's just a punchline. Yeah, he's just a loser. He's just a dork. And you know that was kind of the case with Kendall too. At the end of this episode, I thought, and I, I wanted to get your thoughts on this when he takes the stage to try to milk. I'm sorry with all these milk metaphors. I really apologize. It, <laughs> That's okay. It, it's been an early day for you on the farm. I've been drinking nothing but cranberry juice to deal with other issues, and I guess I'm eager for something else. Um, <laughs> he, when he takes the stage to to do one of his now, you know, his viral formative, yeah, bits, yeah, it 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 rang super hollow. I mean, they were always hollow, but nobody was there for it. Nobody was interested in it, and they cut off his mic, and it's like, yeah, you that was you had a moment 
when people were looking at you and talking about you. And if you cut off, if you cut that off, you cut off your access, you cut off the microphone, you cut off the money train. Like what? Yeah. You think about how, how different that, that scene at the end of this past episode is shot versus the press conference. The press conference has all these people waiting with bated breath. The cameras are clicking. It's close up. Kendall has done his, he's surprised everyone. This is just like, I just want to come out. And then he's doing the most like the tiredest tropes of grandstanding and virtue signaling by being like, I'm starting a foundation. Here are the names we we must not forget. It's just like, it's such bullshit coming from him. The way, um, among the many pros of COVID, but no, but like the, the one way that I think it has potentially helped the season is the way it causes us to view the bubbles the characters are in. Mm-hmm. You know, Kendall has his little, his little bubble. He's got Jess and he's got the internet ladies to tell him he's doing okay and that he's doing a fine job, but it's, it's, it's cracking small. a little bit though. You see Jess roll her eyes when the, when the, <laughs> when the yep. rabbit eats the bagel. And she's yeah. just like, this guy's an idiot. Like most people think, starting to think he is one, you know? Yeah, I, I loved, it was a throwaway line, but when he was angry about the rabbit and he was just like, call our doctor. Yeah. Like that is such <laughs> typical alpha bullshit. Yeah. Like his angry baby brain was like, you know, me put stick in fire. Like right. I will show you fire. But it's like, that's, Imagine you're just being yelling that doctor and the two calls yeah. you get are for are about like a giant rabbit who's eaten a ba- overdosed on bagel and also this guy's father who's gotten piss mad. <laughs> Do piss mad. Should we talk about piss madness? Yeah, I mean, I have a couple questions. I, I didn't, you may have watched the episode uh, more times than I have. So I didn't really track the TikTok of, mm-hmm. of Pillgate was confusing to me. Sure. So she, Carrie, um, who's his assistant, like she, she's right. like, here are your pills. Right. Basically in the beginning of the episode. A lot of no free ads, but Advil gets some shine yeah. this episode. Yeah, yeah. And look, I don't feel like it's bad if you promote products you love. Like I've been known to pop an Advil now and again. You know what I mean? Like it, it is a magical elixir. You don't like, you know, uh, not a Bayer guy. Do people take Bayer still? I think as a blood thinner. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Can I, small, small digression here? Um, Please, I'm waiting. I want, I want I, it. <laughs> I was really, I always like to find my way in to relate to these characters. And I guess what I was missing was the part where Carrie was like, do you have your pills? Because he did have some antibiotic or something for this UTI he seems to have developed by walking around in the sun at Josh's Island or whatever. Yeah. Unclear. But all I heard, the little like, you know, clarion call to my ears was Advil. Now, as I alluded, I I have taken my fair share of the little little brown guys in my life. Sure, maybe you know it's anti-inflammatory, so maybe you've got you've got a fever or something. Two things you I'm deal with quite often. Totally. Here's something though. I don't know if this was getting older or the amount of running I'm doing now, but like the other week when I ran 12 miles, and my legs were like, no, no, nope, that's it. We are on strike. We are done. We're going to we're going to cause you pain now. Should you use us? I was like, oh gosh, have I have I done something? Have I injured myself? And I was like, well, I'll, I'll start small, you know. Mm-hmm. So I, I I shake the bottle, two Advils, dude. I was like in episode three of Dope Sick. <laughs> when you use them the way they are intended to be used, yeah, I was dancing on the table like Dick Van Dyke at the end of Mary what do you Poppins mean Returns. Intended to be used like in bulk. No, just like when I, you're in I, pain. Yeah. I feel like maybe I've never actually needed medication before because I've lived a charmed and healthy life. 
But like I physically exerted myself and my bones and muscles were aching because they were inflamed. I took an over-the-counter medication. And I was like, did the Sackler family invent this? I'm going to run 12 more miles. This shit works. So (laughs) all of this is to say, I feel like they could have knocked out the UTI if they had given him 20 more minutes. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like don't sell that shit short. Yeah. That's my, I, that's so my monologue. For you're this basically here to stump for big Advil against antibiotics is what, <laughs> is what you're saying. Ibuprofen, ubuprofen. That's I just what I didn't, have to say. I just didn't know UTIs had that effect on older folks that like, I mean, right. piss, piss mad is a very evocative term. Did you what, Google it? I wouldn't. I did. Uh, I did, and um, I'm sorry. Is to your say computer that on fire now? This is my. This is the last I'll be using this computer. I have to throw it in the LA River next. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. What a wonderful day! This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. My village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. So yeah, like I thought that that plot line was interesting too. They've they've definitely made Logan rather infirm these last two episodes. Uh-huh. They've really started to lessen him uh physically and you know it was it was interesting watching roman be the only one who was concerned about his health like roman repeatedly throughout the episode is just like the yes. most important thing is what dad would have wanted what dad would say what would dad want don't go back on what dad said and then it's like 
He's the fucking bull. You know, he's going to do, he knows what to do. And when everybody else is like, well, should we call and, you know, renege on this deal? He's like, how about we just care about like what's going on with him? It's, it was kind of like a, a very, it's, it's, it's so funny to watch them evoke these or not even evoke, like pull these characteristics out of characters subtly because they're happening while this three ring circus yeah. of jokes is happening. It's the saddest emotion for me in the show that at his broken core, Roman just wants more time with his dad. Mm -hmm. And the saddest part hiding behind that already sad part is it's because he, if he had spent more time with him, he'd know who he really was. Sure. You know, like that's the trickle down that we see when Kendall's like to Siobhan, it's, it's you now, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm sorry. They were the heat shield protecting Roman without realizing he was being protected. And all that's left him with is this like giant maw of wanting, you know, and it, and it, and it, and it, it plays out. I mean, this was a, they're all, every actor on the show is sneaky good all the time. But I would say this was a, a sneaky, great Kieran Culkin episode oh, yeah. for what he had to convey while still being this affected character. His physical discomfort at watching Sandy, his physical discomfort being on the phone yeah. with the president. That was hilarious. <laughs> he was like, how you doing? And then he's just like, <laughs> fuck. Um, and then there's just that subtle, like after Siobhan gets kind of rejected by Logan at yeah. the end of the episode, he just kind of kneels down at his dad's side and is like, we fucking did it, huh? You know, like, like that was a close one. And it's, you know, you could, you could track that in gender roles, but you could also just see like, he's the one who doesn't, his only concern is, is Logan in that, in that sense. And it's not really about becoming CEO for him. Let me check in with the concern troll under the bridge that we haven't jumped yeah. off yet. What's up with him? Is he you... doing chin-ups and reading Ausgard? What's going on with him? <laughs> He's reading, you should have he's a weirdly, voice. You should have a voice for this guy. At this weirdly, point. he finished my struggle, all the volumes, and now he's reading Nausgaard's new novel, which okay. he has a lot of <laughs> thoughts about. Um, have we done all this before? Yeah. Uh, is there a is there treadmill fatigue at this point in the show? When I do believe part of what interests and motivates Jesse Armstrong is how cyclical and back scratching and back slapping and circular like all of this is it all just keeps happening again until it doesn't right like I, I think we were saying this last week I don't think he or anyone involved in the writing of the show is actually interested in what Waystar looks like after a succession has been enacted mm -hmm. you know this, I, this is not to my eyes and I could very well be wrong about this I don't think this is a I don't think there's a Kendall's finally got the big chair season. Let's see what he does. No, with I don't think we're going to get like a lot of like, what are, what are the suite of websites Kendall is? <laughs> it's about this feud that is the death throes of a media Titan. I think mm -hmm. and that's the end of, of uh, individually and the company. So with all that being said though, that sense of this is D day, everything is on the line today. And then it works out. Logan is infirm. Logan is unwell he'll be fine with some fluids. Mm -hmm. And now we're off to the races again. I thought this episode was so, you know, theatrically and well staged. I am not, I want to be very clear, I am not actually voicing the opinion that I'm tired of it yet. You're just a courier. I'm just aware. The concern troll's thoughts, he exactly. shared them with you and you're bringing I, them to us. I guess what I'll say is I'm aware of it. Mm -hmm. you know, I think the and, show is. I mean, yeah. what is Lo Logan says, like uh, before he goes piss mad, he's like, uh, we could have done this deal in Greece. 
You know, he says like right. they've been talking about this since the last third of the second season. Now, I think part of the reason why sometimes it doesn't always track is that I th- there I think there's a fair amount that's now happening in between episodes. Like we aren't getting like it, it, after after the first few episodes were essentially a three hour movie in terms of press conference second you know the third season starts immediately after the press conference this, right right the i think the second episode starts immediately as shiv makes the u-turn to go towards kendall's house the second episode starts so there's been no time in between and now in this one obviously there has been some sort of fallout from logan's experience out on josh's island and we don't really i don't think we had seen or heard about negotiations between sandy and stewie and the roy family really that gets mentioned a little bit in the sec in, in the last episode, but it's obviously something where they're like, well, we're close to a deal. We're so close to a deal. I'm like, I thought you guys fucking hated each other and everything was coming down to a vote. So that stuff can be a little yeah. murky sometimes. All the money that both sides have reportedly spent on uh, whipping up a vote or, you know, trying to predict the vote. Also the, the ATN's pivot to take down the president that didn't happen overnight. Um, mm-hmm. I think you make a good point. One of the things that was no, that I remember noticing in the first season, was that, um, well, I think Succession to my mind was really the first prestige era show since Mad Men to so fully take its time. Uh, I think that, I don't know whether it was Breaking Bad broke our brain in this regard, but there was, to my mind anyway, and it was also the nature of the story, but I kind of got lulled into an expectation that episodes were essentially picking up where the last one left off. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe the day or two has passed, but whatever the plot is is so... Um, breakneck that we have to get right back into it and i remember watching that first season where i was like oh now it's thanksgiving oh okay and i appreciated that about the show and i think that you're really right to point out that this is kind of a return to that type of storytelling and i think it suits it frankly. yeah there's also like there are beats to certain inter like succession inter-character interactions like every time kendall and stewie see one another he walks in and Stewie's like, oh, I thought you'd be on a rainbow box talking about Time's Up. You know, he always like is like, is, you know, your dad's Sherpa. Busts his chops for a second. And then Kendall's like, I can do this, man. And Stewie's like, fuck off. And then he's like, no, but you need me. And Stewie's like, hmm, good point. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like, I don't really ever think like anything has been changed as much as these people are all trapped with one another. And maybe we're trapped with these people. Yeah, if we ever get Arian Moyet on the show, there was a moment in this episode where he's Stewie's left hanging, you know, uh-huh. and you know, there was more script written because like Stewie, I can't imagine a succession script ever ends with Stewie, like staring off into the middle distance. I feel like it's too great to give him something to clap back. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, they had to continually make these aggressive runs and pullbacks. You have to have Kendall. Kendall had to have a reason to run into that room. And I actually enjoyed it more this time than in pa- the past interactions because there was such a sense of actual in their bodies chaos mm-hmm. that they usually don't let anyone see, where it's just like they're just shouting, "You don't belong here! You don't belong here!" You know that good was good day. It's like yeah, <laughs> good day. It was like please leave. I, yeah, I I also I mentioned him already. I want to give shouts to Peter Friedman because I thought this was a great Frank episode. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's a vamp. I mean, just vamping like that. It, I I kind of. One thing I hope that Succession never does, and I think that they are just far too smart to do it, is we should never, ever, ever, ever go home with Frank or Carl or Jerry. Because mm-hmm. that, that the whole point is that... I don't even like we, knowing that she has daughters. Like I, yeah. No, it can't, none of this is worth it. And so if we see 
more plainly like the justifications and dis- deals they strike with themselves. Like if we see that Frank just like owns a building in the West Village and maybe loves the theater in his night off, like, and this is the, what he has to do all day to have his happy time, then what's the point? I think the whole idea is that you sign up for this, you jump on the merry-go-round thinking you'll take a few turns around, you'll grab the brass ring, and then you get to have a brass ring. That's just not what this is. It just goes on forever. So what would you, what, 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 like, are you looking for a solution in that regard? Or, I mean, the funny thing is, is that we're only halfway through the season. I mean, I think because we talk about it so much and because yeah. we've been anticipating the season for so long, it's like, we're, we're only midway through, you know, so... I, a lot can happen. There's still a couple of guest stars that have been announced that are showing up in the rest of the season. But yeah, like there definitely seemed to be some finality, like the blocking of Kendall on the phone being like, you are now like, now that we have secured this company, I no longer yep. need to even think about this. Yeah. In a way, this felt like the finale of the mini season mm-hmm. that began at the end of last season, that there's a six episode arc. Mm-hmm that begins on the yacht and in many ways ends here, you know? So what I'm curious about is what is the show now? Obviously there are many things still in play. The rupture within the family still matters. The government stuff is now, I would imagine ready to take center stage, but not, not to get too cute or too meta about it, but what is, what is the vision for the company going forward? Yeah. You know, in, in, in this case, the company being, being the show. I thought it was really noteworthy, and I, I, I'm glad you circled back to it, that like the Kendall thing is performance and was treated as such by Logan, who couldn't care less about the actual emotional fallout, needed him to be what he needed him to be on the tarmac or with Josh or as a foil or as whatever, and he secured his company, and now it doesn't matter anymore. So Did what... You- what is it now? Did you necessarily believe the PR team when they were like, oh, this is actually playing really well? Or is it that's the actual... To, to Kendall, his team? Yeah, is that the sort of satire of that is that even if it plays well, you still lose? Like the, the, the idea that these things actually have like an impact or these kinds of gestures can change anything? I, I, I think that I'm on record uh, with my thoughts on what Twitter opinion is worth. You know, <laughs> I mean, that's... That, that they're scouring his menchies and being yeah. like, some, some people think that that was a good thing. Okay. What else? What else should we talk about? I mean, Greg obviously losing out on the, the inheritance. I think we talked about that. Did you have like any thoughts about like Tom being like, I really want to like make sure the, the line continues. And I want to have something to look forward to when I got out of jail. Cause I, chin ups and NASCAR does sound like a pretty cool vacation. I, Tom. I mean, Matthew McFadden's performance is so good. And this, this sense that you get from it, that he is, he thought he was in the penthouse and now he's just sliding down the side of a glass skyscraper and he can't grab onto anything. Mm -hmm. It's, it's phenomenal performance. It's also that, that, that deep feeling of like, what, what are we actually doing? What do we actually have and hold here? And for him, it was, you know, promotions and money and stature but it was also, at least the way he imagined it, some sort of emotional connection. Mm-hmm. He was married, you know. He 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 knows that Logan is very unwell, but he still takes the moment to relish calling him Papa. You know, he wants to be married into this family. And so it was kind of great the way that relationship has devolved so staggeringly that it's now, 
even that piece of it is transactional. And Chavan almost you know seems offended, but there's nothing in that suggestion that runs afoul of anything her family has done in the past. I mean, that's exactly how they think about all family transactions. Yeah. You know, that, that it, it, it makes total sense. I, I did want to, before we move past it, go back to the Greg thing briefly, just to say the constant underlining of people taking Greg lightly, mm-hmm. not taking him seriously, telling him to like get some stones and step up. It's it's a pretty steady drumbeat, you know, and I and I only hope and I have no reason to doubt that when the writers do nudge him into more action, which seems inevitable, sure, that it will be as farcical as everything else that he does in ways that feel appropriate. To a la his congressional I, I, t- testimony. Yeah, or yeah. I, I'm not I'm not really ready for, you know, him to 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 pull off the the mask and he's. <laughs> He's he's Icarus from the Eternals, you know what I mean? like ready to ready to rain laser fire down on everyone. I don't think that's coming. I think that that's a guy. The inheritance thing is something I had sort of forgotten about. I don't really know that I thought about like, oh, this guy is going to get rich off of his grandfather. I thought he was always just like, oh, this would be great if I could, if I right. could get a job or something like that. But it explains a little bit more about like his behavior. I think over the last season and a half, if you know, he's kind of like maybe going to come into some of Ewan's money. Um, we can wrap it up there. Uh, it was great talking to you, man, about uh, Succession as it is always. We'll be back on Thursday to chat about some other shows. We were produced by uh, Kai McMullen this week, as always. Do you, do, do you want to make any more like piss mad jokes? Any other things you want to... I think, I said, never gonna... I think I said piss mad half a dozen times. And you said it so time, many times. You didn't... It's not like you cackled with joy. So I could... I maybe... Maybe it was... I don't know. Maybe I've Maybe missed you have an some, opportunity. Do you have some piss madness in, in your like distant family that you want to talk about? <laughs> it haunts me. The family curse. <laughs> Uncle that's, Barry, the piss that's mad what, king. <laughs> that's what Dane Whitman wanted to say to Cersei at the end of Eternals. You're still thinking about, about Eternals. Family. Is that yeah. what like is that what this is about? Is that where you're just mad that we're not talking about Eternals? I want to make another run at that apple. I, I don't feel like I got it yet. You know, if I, if if there's one tortured power mad family that uh-huh. is consuming me it's definitely not the Roy's this week <laughs> I love it uh, well maybe we can talk more about Eternals on Thursday until then Andy was or, or not <laughs> have, have a nice Sunday night everyone <laughs> talk to you guys later this episode is brought to you by State Farm You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.